0: You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 42. Well, welcome back. I'm Gavin Webber, and this podcast is where you can learn about cheese making at home. Well, today's episode is going to be about the ripening process and how you will classify your cheese depending on how it is ripened. So there's four main categories for ripening your cheese. So the first one is uh, a bloomy rind or internal mould-ripened cheeses. So these are cheeses such as Camembert Brie Blue Cheese, those sort of cheeses, and mainly they are inoculated with uh, Panicillium, Penicillium Roque 40, or uh, for that, that's for blue cheese, and Penicillium Candidum for mold ripened cheeses uh, like Camembert. So it's the white mold. There's another mold that I'd throw in there, which would be uh, Geotrichum Candidum. So that actually adds a bit of a mushroomy flavour to. Camembert and Breeze, and it actually helps the mould, the white mould layer to stick to the cheese. So it helps it from slipping off. So um, it always pays to add a little bit of Geotrichum Candidum into your um, Camembert and Breeze. There are many other varieties, but I just can't pronounce them, (laughs) unfortunately. So, So these cheeses... Um, basically the interior mould-ripened ones include various types of blue cheeses. Uh, The characteristic blue mould influences the flavour, the texture and the nose of the cheese. Anybody who's eaten a blue cheese before can attest to that. Now, it also depends on how long they're ripened for. So the cheese actually, those types of cheeses, the mould-ripened cheeses, they actually change in flavour all the time for the first six weeks of their of their production. With the, with the case of camembert and brie, you would only age them to four weeks because after that, usually what happens is they over-ripen and there's too much ammonia uh, in the cheese and it, and it gives a bit of a sour sort of smell to it, um, very pongy. So um, make sure that you mo- ripen it uh, between 7 and 10 degrees Celsius for those ro- moulds to uh, to develop correctly and not become too overpowering and too strong. So the second classification on ripening cheeses is called washed rind cheeses. So these are cheeses such as a Mourbier, Munster, St Pauline. So they're, what they're basically done is the rinds are washed with a, a low brine solution, which also includes Uh, bacteria such as, uh, it's a liens bacteria, it's an orange bacteria and it it changes the colour of the rind of the cheese uh, and it adds flavour to it. I've also seen cheeses washed with uh, a beer wash, a dark ale and uh, my friend Ian in, um, in Alberta, Canada, actually does a few types of beer washed rind cheeses um, and you can check those out over at his blog, which is uh, Much To Do About Cheese. A very interesting uh, blog, and he's he's very passionate about cheese making. So they're washed rind cheeses. And the, the third category is natural rind cheeses. So cheeses like Gruyere, Emmental, Tomei, Beaufort, and some of the cheddars, some of the aged cheddars, and harder cheeses like Parmesan they all have a natural rind. They're generally generally very large cheeses. And we're talking about oh, big batches. So we're talking 40 kilos of cheese in, in one wheel. They're often aged without the protection of uh, any protection on the rind. So they don't have wax. They're not vacuum packed or anything like that. So how they do that is, you know, say, for example, with a Gruyere, what they do is they brush the cheese daily with a mild brine solution and that inhibits any uh, mold growth and removes it if there is any tome is a, a cheese it 's a French cheese that also has a kind of a mosaic styled uh, rind, which is quite quite funny to look at and what they do is they just dry brush it they don 't um brush it with any rind uh, sorry with any brine so that uh, that assists um, same as say parmesan i 've seen. Factories in Italy, via video unfortunately, not in in real life, uh, where they have a machine that pulls the uh, parmesan, massive big uh, 40 kilo wheel of parmesan and it actually dry brushes it and it gives it a a nice firm rind as it ages. So that's natural rind cheeses, the rind is uh, totally edible um, and it actually has a different flavour than the centre part of the cheese, Uh, quite delicious. And finally, uh, waxed rind cheeses. So this is for a lot of the hard cheeses like Gouda, Edam, Cheddar, Colby. They're the main sorts of ones. I find that in the home cheesemakers inventory of cheeses that I will more often than not wax my cheeses because it actually helps, not only helps it for, as a barrier against mold growth, Uh, It also stops the cheese from drying out, especially when you're making such small wheels of cheese um, using only um, eight litres or two gallons of milk. So I find that even with my Parmesan, which I make in small batches, I I definitely have to wax or vacuum pack that because otherwise it just dries out and the cheese is too too hard and, and unusable. The first couple of Parmesans that I ever made turned out like bricks, as in not brick cheese, but... Hard, hard, very hard cheese, and you can only grate it. You couldn't, you couldn't slice it. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't shave it or anything like that. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I highly recommend that with small batches like we make, that you either wax or you vacuum pack your cheese, and it helps um, helps them mature and, uh, and keeps all the the nasty bacteria's and and molds off of your cheese and you get a more consistent process that's what I find anyway so that is the four categories for classification based on the ripening process very interesting even though the cheese is made differently and we covered that in the last podcast episode the way you mature the cheese there are different categories for that as well So it's time for the news now. I have been reading a lot in the media lately around the um, global issue around um, cheese making and here's one of those unfortunate stories. This is set in the UK and I found it on uh, justfood.com and the title is Cricketers Farm Set to End Cheese Production. Now I think it's quite a large dairy uh, that makes... uh, that makes cheese products. And if you live in the UK, you probably would have seen a cheese product called the Cheeky Cow, and I think it's a cheddar. It's very popular over there in the UK. Now, um, they're closing down next, early next year, which is 2016, after a period of significant financial losses. So unfortunately, they're going to cease operations and they cited their financial uh, losses based on the lack of growth in the UK retail market, which has a reduced demand for cheeses. Now, this may be for factory cheese, but I'm pretty sure that the artisan cheese market is booming over there. I'm happy to be corrected mm-hmm. via email of anybody uh, who lives over in the UK. So um, they mentioned that the uh, global dairy sector was in turmoil due to an oversupply of milk products which is probably not so good for a commercial production, but pretty good for um, for the average um, home cheese maker. You can get a readily, readily supply of of milk. Um, they also pointed at the devaluation of the sterling and the lifting of European Union milk quotas um, in April this year. So market volatility has forced them to shut down early next year, which is unfortunate for any cheese producer. The good thing about uh, home Cheese making is—you can make as much or as little cheese as you like. I've been making a and probably cheese once a month at the moment um, during the winter months, due to um, what I mentioned in the last show was starting our small business, um, littlegreenworkshops.com.au, and uh, and getting that up and running. So you know, I've uh, I've taken cheese production back a little bit. I uh, don't make it every week like I used to. But as spring picks up and uh, the business settles down a little bit, then uh, we will find that uh, I'll have a little bit more time to make cheese um, and make different types of cheeses. Because one of the things I love to do when I make a different type of cheese is to record it uh, via video and then put that video as a tutorial up on YouTube and then follow the uh, the production of that cheese through maturation and through to a, tea, uh, a taste test um, on my blog as a blog post. So I really do enjoy trying um, to make different types of cheese. I'm, I'm not always successful, uh, and I've shown, I've shown a few videos uh, about that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, yeah, a bit of an oversupply of milk in the uh, in the global dairy sector. So I know that's ha- that has affected large producers here in Australia as well. You know, with China, the China market opening and the taste for cheese over there, I can see, um, you know, global cheese production increasing, um, artisan cheese as well, um, but that's more for the, the local market. So we've got a few questions this week. Um, I'll endeavour to get through three or four. So here's the first one. This one's from Ben, and Ben's from uh, Narry Warren in Victoria. Ben says, hi Gavin, I have a young daughter who loves cheese, especially Greek cheeses. Uh, we have made your halloumi recipe. Months later, she is still talking about it. Her favourite is the Saganaki cheese, sold at Coles. But we re- recently learnt that Saganaki is not a type of cheese. We actually don't know what it is. Uh, maybe it is, oh here we go, Kefalo Graviera uh, or even maybe it's Kefalotiri, I can't even say this one, Uh, my Greek is not the best, I'll spell it out, K-E-F-A-L-O-T-Y-R-I, I'll try it again, Kefalotiri, there we go, anyway, it led me on a chase to see if I can make it at home, but I have not found anything online about it, I wonder if you can help. Your recipes and videos help me a lot and I want to thank you as you have enabled me to have great cheese making fun with my daughter. Ben from Nari Warren, North in Victoria. Well Ben, uh, answer your question is Saganaki is not a cheese. As you have found out Saganaki is actually the type of pan that uh, Greeks use. It's a grill to, to make um, certain dishes and you, you, by you actually making halloumi and cooking it in a, on a grill, that is actually a form of saganaki. So um, the actual cheese that uh, I did a bit of research, and I found a video clip from uh, Vasili, um, who has actually visited my home here in Melton in Victoria, um, and he actually does a TV show. It used to be on SBS TV. Um, it was called Vasili's Garden, and him and his mama. Uh, made Saganaki cheese and all it is is it's a uh, Kefalo Graviera cheese and what they do, they dip it in, so they cut it into wedges and it's a, that's a goat's cheese that's available in supermarkets and they dip it into an egg white and then they dip it into flour, um, seasoned flour and then they put that straight into the frying pan. Now, she actually double dips it both both times. So it's got a kind of a coating, and then she puts that into the saganaki. You know, the, she actually used an electric frying pan, um, and she grilled the cheese, and it melted on the inside and formed a crust on the outside. So it's just a form of cooking um, and cooking cheese. So, yeah, so saganaki is the, the style of cooking those sorts of cheese. It's not the actual cheese itself. So, Ben, I hope that's helped. So you can keep making halloumi from uh, the recipe. And uh, and just tell your daughter that it's Saganaki. <laughs> it's just the style. So yeah, I think it's a bit of a marketing ploy on the uh, the major supermarkets uh, here in Australia. So yeah, it's just the style of making that cheese. Well, I hope that's helped, Ben. So the next question is from Rita, and this is a continuation of her of her Kefili story. So Rita has said, um, "Hi, Gavin. Following the steps to Kefili up to the final step for aging it." Please clarify how I store the cheese for the three-week ageing process. I'm going to place the cheese in a small wine cooler. However, I'm not sure whether I place the cheese on the fridge shelf wrapped or unwrapped. Am I on the right track thus far? Just a little confused as to what I need to do with the final stage. SOS, thank you. Well, Rita, thanks for your question. Yes, you're on the right track. So put it into the cheese fridge at about 13 degrees Celsius, which is 55 Fahrenheit for the maturation process. Now, normally what I do is I leave it unwrapped and I rest it on my sushi mat and allow it to develop a natural rind over those three weeks. So you are just got to make sure that your cheese cave or cheese fridge or whatever you want to call it has relative humidity around 80%. And I find that uh, that fairly high um, humidity that mould sometimes develops. So what I do, I wipe it down with a light brine solution, and that keeps the moulds at bay. And what it, that also does is it actually helps form the natural rind. So you get a, a rind that's about oh half a centre or five millimeters um, thick, and inside of that rind's quite hard once you finish and uh, that rind development prohibits the, the growth of moulds. Now, you will find if your cheese fridge is not humid enough, then the cheese may split, and the only option you've got there is to either vacuum pack it uh, or to wax the cheese and, uh, and try and get a, a proper seal. Just make sure that you don't get any more mould into the cheese. But, yeah, wipe it down daily and turn it daily. That's what I do for the uh, the three-week period. It's pretty simple, I just put a little note, a post-it note on the cheese fridge and every time I walk past it, it reminds me to uh, to turn the cheese and to give it a wipe. I've got a little uh, container of brine there with a bit of cheesecloth in it and uh, yeah, just give it a quick wipe all over and then turn it and uh, yeah, it'll uh, develop a lovely natural rind and uh, the taste will be an amazing. It actually adds a little bit more salt to the cheese but that's okay because Kefili is quite a salty cheese anyway. So I hope that answers your question, reader. Next question is from Matt, and Matt says, Hi, Gavin, I appreciate you. You are very busy, but I have a problem with my camembert. I still have them in the ripening box at 13 degrees Celsius, but I cannot get the white mould to start. It has been 10 days now, and blue mould is starting to appear. I have had tissue in the ripening box to reduce the moisture as they were quite wet. Last night I left them on the kitchen bench as I read that on the net somewhere. Can you please help? Matt, it might be hard um, to diagnose this but it looks like you've had the temperature pretty high as well. With Camembert, I usually ripen it between uh, 7 and 10 degrees Celsius and they have to be... It sounds like you might not have enough salt because salt actually helps the mould to grow as well. Um, So... Commonly these days, instead of um, salting the outer surface of a camembert, what I normally do now is brine it. And what that also does is help the cheese dry out a little bit um, if there's too much moisture in the camembert. And also what I do is I have the camembert, when it's ripening in the in the cheese box, I have it elevated. I have one of these uh, long-style... A ripening box, it's just a plastic Tupperware sort of type of box, I think it's made by Daycool and it's got a uh, it's got a raised a plastic mat on the bottom and it keeps it about 2 or 3 centimetres above the surface of the bottom of the cheese mo- uh, of the ripening box and that way moisture can, can drip off it if it needs to um, but the good thing is the um, it won't sit in, in any uh, moisture or anything like that because if the rind of the cheese is too wet, the the mold does not start. It's as simple as that. It's got to be at least t- it's got to be touched dry before you attempt to 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 ripen it, and then you'll start seeing the mold develop um, over the cheese. I think my recommendation is that uh, you may have to start again. Ten days into it now, you know the the total maturation time for a camembert is only four weeks. So, you're a fair way into the maturation process the whiskers uh, little white whiskers of the mold start after about three to four days um, if you've got the conditions right for your cheese so if I was you i'd I'd probably start again um, and uh, and try and get your maturation box keep the cheese elevated and uh, make sure that it's left in the mold a bit longer in your into your hoops a little bit longer um, before you transfer it into the into a brine and keep it elevated off of the off of the bottom of the the box. So yeah. Camembert is a little bit of a tricky one until you you get it down pat. But I find that now brining it, I have a lot less issues than if I surface salt the cheese. So uh, it, it actually gives me a good idea to remake my um, Camembert video and and show this different style of salting your cheese because you get more consistent. Well, I certainly get more consistent results by brining the cheese instead of uh, surface salting it. Well, I hope that's helped, Matt. Um, You're going to have to start again, mate, unfortunately. But uh, give it another go. Don't, um, Don't feel down or don't feel blue. Well, that's about all we've got time for this week. Just remember that those of you who are in Australia and New Zealand, you can pop over to littlegreenworkshops.com.au and you can pick up your cheese making equipment, kits and supplies over there in the cheese making category. All very affordable and I try and keep the stock levels up so um, everybody can grab some of those amazing cheese making products and make cheese in your home. Don't forget that you can pick up a copy of my ebook, Keep Calm and Make Cheese, a beginner's guide to cheese making at home. That's available in all ebook formats uh, and you can find further details over at LittleGreencheese.com. You can also find all of my video uh, cheese making video tutorials and I've got a tab there with a gallery of all of them, there's 27 of them so far, um, for you to watch over at Little Green Cheese. Well, thanks for listening, Curd Nerds, and stay tuned for the next exciting episode of Little Green Cheese Podcast. During this podcast, you heard royalty-free music by Kevin McLeod. I played Malt Shop Bop, News Theme and Call to the Dairy Cows.